All right, take your Bibles to Luke chapter number one. I tell you, the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I cannot feel at home in this world anymore. I tell you what, if we're saved, this world's not our home, is it? And I tell you what, we, we work hard oftentimes at digging our roots down so deep that we become very comfortable here in this world. And if that's the case, uh, we have some things in our heart that we need to work out, do we not? We belong in heaven. We belong with the Lord. Here we're just passing through. Now that's not my message tonight, but it'd be a good one. Luke chapter number 1. And we're going to stick with the uh, thought of Mother's Day tonight. And I want us to see here in this passage of Scripture, we're going to look for a few moments at what it was that made Mary, Jesus' mother, a successful mother. And as we look into the Scriptures tonight, we're going to make some observations about Mary. And I believe that the truths that we're going to find that were exemplified in her life can and should be exemplified in each of our lives. And so one may say, well, obviously Mary was a successful mother. She had a perfect son. Well, I think there's some truth to that, but I believe as we see in Scriptures tonight, we're going to find some things that were evidence in her life that allowed her to be a success in God's sight. If you have Luke chapter number 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 26, and we'll read down through verse number 38. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David." And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, what a good service we've had already tonight. The music, the worship has been wonderful. And now, Father, as we open thy word and look into thy scriptures, Lord, I pray that thy Holy Spirit would fill me with thy power. May I speak only that that would be pleasing to Thee. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice tonight as we begin looking at these truths that were exemplified in Mary's life that allowed her to be a success, I want you to see first of all, Mary was a woman of faith. She was a faithful woman. If you'll take your Bibles in the same passage and look back with me at verse number 28, the Bible says, in the midst of the verse... Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. If you look down in verse number 30, we see that phrase again. Thou hast found favor with God. The angel has told Mary that God is with her and that she has found favor with God. 
Now we know according to Hebrews 11 and verse 6, the Bible teaches that without faith it is impossible to please God. That tells me that if Mary had God with her and if she had found favor in God's sight, then it is evidence according to Hebrews 11 6 that she had to have possessed faith in God. God was with her. She had found favor. The Bible says that she was highly favored. There again, there, there's no way that she could have possessed favor with God had she not already possessed faith in God. When we look at faith, I want you to understand tonight that faith is the great enabler. Faith is the key that unlocks the door of God's power and God's direction on our lives. Without faith in God, we have no help from God. I want you to remember that. Without faith in God, you and I have no help from God to do what God has called us to do. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Well, what is faith? I know Pastor is going to be preaching a series on this coming up, so uh, we're going to find out what that is in the weeks to come. But as we look in faith, according to the book of Hebrews, faith is described as looking unto Jesus, yielding and trusting in the Lord. Now, when we get this idea of faith, it is in every decision that you and I make, we are looking unto Jesus for those decisions. Every step that we take in our spiritual walk, we are looking unto Jesus. It is in all things and everything, keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, yielding and trusting in Him. As we look in Luke chapter 1, Mary has been called. She has been chosen to be the vessel to bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ into this world bodily. Wow, what a blessing. What a tremendous calling that God had placed on her life. God said that she had found favor with Him which comes by faith. I want you to see tonight, friend, that anything you and I decide to do with our lives, look, you can do anything you want to do, but when you and I act without exercising faith in God, then anything that we attempt to do in our lives will fall short. If we try to go in our own power and our own strength, then what we try to do will fall short of what God has for us. Any endeavor that you go after, any position that you take, any change that comes into our lives, such as becoming a husband, becoming a wife, becoming a father or a mother, the big changes in life, we will only be successful in these areas as we are faithful to our God. Because remember, without faith in God, we do not have help from God. Hey, listen, we want God to bless our lives. We want to be found to be faithful husbands and wives, faithful moms and dads, faithful teenagers. In every area of our lives, we want God's blessing. We want God's help. The problem is, you and I, in and of ourselves, do not possess the wisdom. We do not possess the discernment. We do not have the intelligence or the foresight to go through life without God's leading. Where there is no faith, there is no help. Now, there are many in the world who try to do just that. They try to be uh, good parents and good spouses. They try to be good young people without the assistance of God. And on the surface, when we look at folks' lives who are living without the help of God, on the surface, they appear to be successful. You can look at folks that are outside of church, outside of the will of God, and at times they, their lives appear to be financially or even morally successful. But what you and I often fail to see is what is taking place in their hearts. We don't see the daily struggle and the heartache. We fail to see the unfillable void that life without Christ has left them. 
They may have an appearance of everything going well, but where it matters, inside, in the heart, and before the eyes of Almighty God, they're not a success whatsoever. But that's not the case with Mary. Mary was a successful mother because she was a faithful woman. I want you to notice, not only was she faithful, but we see secondly tonight, she was also surrendered. She was faithful, which allowed her to be successful, but I noticed secondly tonight that she was a surrendered woman. Do you recognize that you can be faithful and you can have faith in God without being surrendered to God? There are multitudes of people who have faith in God. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven. They received Jesus as their Savior years ago, but they're not living their life in surrender to the Lord. They're not walking according to the Word of God and the will of God. Somewhere along the lines, they got their priorities mixed up. And what started out as childlike faith, when they received Jesus as Savior, they have now shifted and allowed their hearts and their minds to be filled with themselves rather than looking unto Jesus. And so you can be uh, saved and you can possess faith in God and not necessarily be surrendered to God. But again, we don't find that in Mary's case. I find according to the Scripture that she was a surrendered lady. Look with me again in verse number 34. The Bible says, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We'll skip down to verse number 38. We find here, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I would encourage you to highlight or underline in your Bible the phrase in verse number 38 where Mary says, Be it unto me according to thy word. Hey, that's the secret. We find in this verse Mary's surrender. Isn't it interesting as we look at our lives how sometimes God can turn our worlds upside down? Have you ever been there? Has there ever been a time in your life when you're just going through life, things are going well, you've got your plans, you've got everything in order, you're happy, you're content where you are, and then God shows up and turns your world upside down. Maybe He changes the position that you're in where you're working at. Maybe He decides that... uh, He's got a different direction than what you thought you had for your life. And the truth is, when God does things like this, we often uh, do not deal very well with change, do we? Now, I don't think there's a person alive on the planet that just gets excited about things changing in their lives. We like for things to have consistency in our lives. We like for uh, our lives to have stability. We each develop ideas for how we think our lives will go. We plan out our futures and we make certain decisions as we go through life. We make decisions educationally. We make decisions financially. We make decisions intelligently that will set us up for the future that we have planned. We enjoy the idea that we are in control of our lives. It makes us feel empowered. It makes us feel self-sufficient. But as we look at our lives in and of itself, we understand that things do not always go according to our plans, do they? I mean, things never seem to go exactly the way that we have them planned out. There are always things that are outside of our control. For example, you and I do not have any control over our circumstances. 
We don't have any control over the things that come into our lives. We don't choose what God allows us to go through in our lives. I believe that if you and I had control over our circumstances, we would simply choose not to have any, right? We would choose for our lives to just be smooth sailing all the time. But we don't have control over that. We can't control the trials and the circumstances and the valleys that come into our lives. We don't have any control over life or death. We cannot bring back a loved one. Neither can we command death upon our enemies with one command. We do not have control over physical health of ourselves or for our loved ones. Now, there are things we can do to stay healthy physically, but in and of itself, you and I cannot command a body to be healed, nor can we predict any illness from coming into our lives. The idea is, in the whole scope of things, we really do not have that much control over our own lives, do we? And that can be a very difficult thing to come face to face with. It can be a difficult thing to understand that I'm not even in control of the most important things in my life. And that's why it is of the utmost importance, it is necessary to be surrendered to and leaning upon the One who is in control the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if I can't control my circumstances and I can't control the major things in my life, but I have a God who loves me, who wants my best interest, and He's the one who is in control, then that is liberating. That allows me to be okay with stepping back and saying, God, I trust You. God, I'll surrender to You. We don't like it when we're not in control, but thank God we know the One who is. And if our perspective, if our worldview is in light of the fact that Jesus is our Savior, then we're okay not being in control. It's when our perspective is off. It's when we're no longer looking unto Jesus that it bothers us to not be in control of our lives. I want you to see tonight that God has every right to interrupt our lives. He can show up and He can touch your life in a moment and you would never be the same again. He can send one storm, one trial, one valley that would alter the course of your life forever. And He has every right as God Almighty to do so. And by the way, He is always right in what He does. Everything God does, He is right. He knows what's best. He sees how things today will affect our lives tomorrow. We don't have that kind of vision. But our God sees how things will affect us down the road. And He always acts purposefully to bring us to His will. Listen, friends, you and I are very foolish to plan out our lives without considering and seeking God. He may have a different plan than you do. And if so, His plan is right and yours is wrong. We find here in this passage in Luke chapter number 1 that Mary is going through one of these moments. She's experiencing this very thing in Luke chapter 1. God shows up in her life and in a moment, God has altered the course of her life. He shows up and all the plans that she had has changed. I believe that if you and I could go back and have a conversation with Mary before Luke chapter 1 and ask her to give us what her vision would be for her life, 
I believe that the vision she would share with us would be a little different from what we read about in Luke chapter 1. I don't think she ever planned on being the human vessel to bring the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. I don't think she would have ever imagined having an angel of God appear to her, especially from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew. Years and years had gone by without any new revelation. And yet the angel has appeared to her. Notice with me, the Bible says that she was a virgin, a spouse to Joseph. I wonder what it was she had planned for her life. Perhaps, and the Bible's not clear on this, but perhaps uh, she was excited about the idea of being married. She was probably in her mind going through all the preparations just for how life would change, moving from being single to now having to share a life with somebody else. I also know about Mary, the Bible says that obviously she was a woman. That tells me that she probably intended, it was probably within her plans to make sure that her house was in order and that everything was put together and everything was perfect before considering having children. I don't know of a lady one that looks at having children before she's got her house and everything is secure and everything is set up just like it needs to be. I would imagine that she probably had everything planned out in her mind the way that her life would go. And yet in Luke chapter 1, the angel shows up and everything that she thought she knew changes. Before she was at, her marriage was finalized, she was a spouse to Joseph, but before uh, her marriage was ever finalized, the Bible says that she would be with child of the Holy Ghost. Think about this. Not yet married and yet with child of the Holy Ghost. She would have no time to adjust to sharing her life with her husband. She would have no time to get her house in order and think about having children a few years down the road. It wasn't how she had planned it, but it was God's way and God is always right. We find that she was not only a faithful woman, but she was a surrendered woman. In verse number 34, she asks the question, how can this be? I know not a man. In verse 35, God reveals His plan to her. And then in verse 38, we see the most powerful words that any believer can ever speak. In verse 38, she says again, Be it unto me according to thy word. These are words of surrender. These are the words of a yielded spirit. These are the words that say, God, I trust you and you're in control. Be it unto me according to your word. Mary was saying, God, it isn't part of my plan, but if that's your will, I trust you. God, I don't fully understand, but if that's your will, I trust you. Be it unto me according to thy word. You know, one of the great evidences that we truly are surrendered is we find, if you'll look down in verse number uh, 46 with me, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For He hath regarded the lowest state of His handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is His name. We find that even though her world had been turned upside down, even though her entire life was altered in a moment, 
What did she do? She turned right around and was able to give praise and honor and glory to God. She was worshiping God. One of the evidences in our lives that we truly are surrendered is that even when things are altered from what we think they should be and how we think they should go, we have the ability to still praise and worship God. Rather than being bent out of shape, rather than saying, God, I don't understand, this wasn't my plan. She worshiped the Lord. She was surrendered. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. But don't miss this truth. Mary was faithful and Mary was surrendered to God long before the account in Luke chapter number 1. It was because of her faith. It was because she was surrendered to God that she had favor with God. So many people get things out of order. There are so many folks in our churches and in our world that have the idea that, well, once I finish with high school, then I'll get serious about God. When I finish college, then I'll surrender to God. There are folks who have the idea that, well, once I get married, then I'll make time for the Lord. While I'm single, I'm just going to worry about me. There are even married folks who have the idea that, well, when we have children, that then we'll make time for God. Once we have children, then for their sakes, we'll have a Christian home. I want to tell you, friend, it doesn't work that way. That's not at all the way or the road that leads to God's best. And by the way, it rarely ever happens that way. If that's your heart and that's your attitude that someday I'll get right with God, but not today, most of the time, friends, nothing changes when those moments in life occur. Christ has to be real to you now. And if God is real to you right now, then His favor and His power and His help will be real to you throughout every season of your life. Mary had God's favor because before Luke 1, before the angel came, she was faithful and she was surrendered. Notice with me please that Mary surrendered to God in Luke chapter 1 when she didn't understand. And But Luke chapter 1 was not the only time we see this in Scripture. Luke chapter 1 was just the pattern of the rest of her life. She was surrendered when she didn't understand, but she remained surrendered to God throughout the entirety of her life. Her life consisted of being yielded to Christ. Let me show you an example of this in John chapter 2, if you'll turn over to John chapter 2 with me. Here we find another example of Mary's surrendered heart and surrendered spirit to God. We see this example in John 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and His disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto Him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. Hey, I want you to see that now 30 years have passed and where do, we, where, where do we find Mary? What's Mary doing? She's still being surrendered to God. We still find her in the same position she was in Luke chapter 1. She surrendered to God's will when she did not understand and now 30 years later, Jesus has begun His earthly ministry and Mary is still surrendered to God. It was the pattern for her life. She says, whatsoever He tells you to do, that's what you do. 
She was recognizing the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was her Son, she had faith in Him and she recognized His authority. Hey, this does away with the idea that Mary is one to be worshipped. This does away with any arguments that our Catholic friends might have because Mary was surrendered to the Son, surrendered to Jesus Christ. She didn't have any power in and of herself to meet the needs of the people. She said it was Jesus who had the answers. It was Jesus who had the power. And she was submissive to the Savior. Friend, listen, she was faithful. She was surrendered. But notice with me finally tonight that any time God allows us to see Mary mentioned in Scripture, her location is always near the Savior. She was faithful, she was surrendered, and she was always as close to the Savior as she could be. That was the pattern of her life. Near to God. She was with Him as He entered into this world bodily. She was with Him as she sought to raise Him according to God's will. In Luke chapter number 2, if you want to turn back to Luke chapter 2, we find that God allows us to get a glimpse of a mother's love and a mother's concern for her children. In Luke chapter 2, Mary realizes that the 12-year-old Jesus was not with them as they returned from Jerusalem. Uh, Let me read this account for you in Luke 2 and verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been with the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt thus with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Get the picture. Jesus was 12 years old at the time. They had gone into Jerusalem, and once they departed back home, Jesus was no longer with the company. And as soon as Mary and her husband recognized that their son was no longer there, the Bible says they turned again seeking after their son. And in verse 48, she finds the Lord Jesus, and she says unto Him, Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee, watch this word, sorrowing. She was afraid. She was sorrowing. You can see in her voice and in this passage the love and the concern that she had for her child. Hey, there's nothing like a mother's love, is there? And she was concerned for her child. And so God allows us to see that she was always near the Savior. She was there in His birth. She was there as she sought to raise Him. She was with Jesus at the wedding in Cana of Galilee when He turned the water into wine. That tells me that even as an adult through His earthly ministry, where was Mary? She was near the Savior. She was close to His side from birth to childhood through His earthly ministry. And then we see also, even at the crucifixion of Jesus, she stayed near to the Savior. She was there. She beheld the death of her Son because she wanted to always be as close to God as she could be. Turn back to John chapter number 19 with me. 
John chapter number 19. I, I don't want you to miss this. In John 19 and verse 25, the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus His mother. That had to be a sobering thing. That had to be something of just agony and torture for a mother to, to be by and watch her son hanging upon a cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus His mother and His mother's sister and Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciple standing by whom He loved, He saith unto His mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith He to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Friend, I want you to see that though the world at this moment had turned their backs on Jesus Christ, and even His own disciples such as Peter denied Him, it was Mary that stayed close to the Savior. Her heart and her mind was unaltered by the roar and the opposition of the world. She was surrounded by a mass and a crowd of people that had turned their backs on Jesus. They were shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him, release Barabbas. They wanted a murderer more than they wanted Jesus Christ. And though those closest to Him denied Him, it was Mary who was unaltered by the opposition, unaltered by the roar of the crowd. Her heart was fixed and determined to stay upon Jesus Christ. She was near the Savior. We find in verses 26 and 27 a very interesting dialogue that takes place. In verse 26 and 27, Jesus says unto His mother as He looks at her while hanging on the cross, and He says unto her, Behold thy son, speaking of John. And then says unto John, Behold thy mother. And then from that hour, the Bible says, John took her unto his own home. You see here that even while Jesus was on the cross, while He was suffering in agony, He looked into the loving eyes of His mother and desired that she would be taken care of after His departure. Jesus knew He was soon to be taken to heaven. He would no longer be physically present on this earth and He wanted to make sure that His dear mother was provided for and taken care of. You know what that tells me as we look into this? That tells me that even though He was the Son of God, He loved and He cared for His mother. There must have been times as a little boy growing up that He would help His mother with chores around the house. There were probably times that as an adult going through His earthly ministry that He provided for His mother in various ways as He was an adult. And now He sought to make sure that John would care for her in His absence. Though she was submissive to Him as God, He was still submissive to her as His mother. Isn't that something? Jesus was submissive to His mother. Now, there's no doubt, Mary was not perfect, okay? Jesus is the perfect one. And without being perfect, it's obvious that every parental decision she made was not the right choice. And yet, Jesus still was submissive and obedient to His mother. Why? Because He's perfect and He left us a tremendous example. Our moms and our dads are not perfect, yet we are to be submissive. We are to be surrendered. We are to be obedient. And so we find here that Jesus cared so much about His mother and He spent time throughout His life providing for and doing various things to help out His mother. And now on His way to heaven, He wanted to make sure that she was provided for. Can you see her heart? 
She was with him at birth. She was with him as a child. She was with him in his ministry. She was there at his death. And yes, notice with me in Acts chapter number 1, the last time that we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, mentioned in Scripture. I want you to see where she is. Acts chapter number 1 and verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. The last time we see Mary, Jesus' mother, mentioned in Scripture, we find that Jesus had died on the cross. He rose from the grave three days later. He walked on the earth, showing Himself alive by many infallible proofs, proving that He had been victorious over death, and He had just ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. After giving final instructions to His disciples, Jesus gathered them together. He was giving them some final words of instruction on how they are to go forward in His absence. And then He ascended into heaven. But where do we find Mary? Where is she the last time that she's mentioned in Scripture? Well, the Bible says in Acts 1.14 that she was right there, still as near as she could possibly be to the Savior. Right there in the midst of the disciples, praying in one accord, making supplication, doing what Jesus had instructed for them to do. Hey, even though Jesus was no longer here physically, she had determined in her heart to stay as close to God as she could possibly be. What an example she was. It's no wonder that she was a success in the sight of God. It's no wonder that she was a good mother. We find an example of a godly lady because she was faithful. She was surrendered. She purposed to spend her entire life near to the Savior as she could be. What an example for you and I. You know, the truth is that you and I will never be able to succeed in anything that God has called us to do until these same observations, these same truths that were found in Mary are found in our lives as well. Friend, I wonder tonight, wherever you are in your life, you may be a teenager, you may be a husband or a wife, you may be a parent, but I want to ask you this question as we close tonight. Wherever it is you are, whatever season in life you find yourself, has God found you faithful? Are you surrendered to God? There's a difference in having faith in God and being surrendered to God. Have you been found to be surrendered to the Lord? Have you reached the place where you can say, God, it may not be my plan and I may not understand, but I trust You. You're always right. Have you purposed in your heart to always be near to the Savior, close enough that you can be led by His hand? I pray that you have. Let's bow for a word of prayer.